From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Uh, we're continuing our look through the book of Psalms. This morning, this ancient collection of Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers that were sung in the tabernacle and in the temple. Uh, most of them are attributed to the author David, I think 46 or 47. Then there's a number of uh, different worship leaders in the temple that wrote many of them. And then about a third of them are anonymous. But what I love about the Psalms, as much as their songs and poems and prayers, is they're raw and they're real. And I think that a lot of the psalmists do us shame because they get a little bit real with God, more real than I think sometimes we're willing to do. Like when you read of just the ones we've even looked at, how, how honest they are. And I love that because it teaches us, it teaches us how we can walk with and follow after God. We can learn from these psalms, and I hope you are. And today we're going to look at another one, Psalms 55. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalms 55. Uh, verses 1 through 23. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read bits throughout the message this morning. But if you have it in hand, you can follow along uh, with us. Let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll dig in. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for your presence this morning, that we can come and gather and worship you. Lord, and as we turn our attention to this, this psalm, I ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and you would speak to each of us in our situations, our circumstances, our life, God, our discipleship, Lord, and you would draw us deeper and deeper into what it means to follow after you. Help us to learn something uh, through your spirit this morning. And so I pray, God, that you'd be with me, Lord. I pray that as I speak the words that, that you've put in my heart and in my mouth, God, that ultimately you'd speak to hearts and souls this morning. And we just worship you. We worship you by looking at your word this morning in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Well, William Shakespeare retells the story of Julius Caesar's assassination in 44 BC, right after his defeat of Pompey the Great in Caesar's civil wars. He was appointed as the dictator of the Roman Republic. But a number of senators began to fear Caesar, fear his power, and fear that his power would undermine the Roman Republic, and so they actually conspired to kill Caesar. And about 60 senators were part of the conspiracy, and they strategically planned to assassinate him during one of the Senate meetings because only senators could be in the Senate House, and that way his, his security detail, his protection wouldn't be with him. And so what they did is during a Senate meeting, Caesar sat down to look over a petition that they had prepared for him, and much like uh, in many kind of those kinds of times, meetings, they would come around to support him, come gather around him to support him as he looked over the petition, but much to his surprise, they pulled out daggers and began to stab him. And Caesar was stabbed 23 times, his uh, historical accounts reveal. And uh, the retelling of the story by William Shakespeare has him resisting the senators as they were assassinating him as they were stabbing him. But then one of the men that were part of the senators was a man named Marcus Junius Brutus, who was a close friend of Caesar. In fact, Caesar considered him like a son. And so as he was resisting this attack, he looked up and he saw Brutus and the famous line that he said, as he ceased to resist, he said, you too, child, you too, 
Julius Caesar, we would assume, I would assume, knowing his role as a, as a leader of a country like that, was used to betrayal, used to treachery, but no betrayal is worse than a betrayal of someone close. And I don't know if you have, have been in a situation like that. You've been betrayed by someone close to you. Someone did something that broke your trust. And that is what David is expressing in this psalm. Often when we read of, of David in the psalms, we're hearing him express frustration or pain or agony because of his enemies. And, but in here in Psalms 55, this pain that he's speaking of is deeper, and it speaks of the betrayal of someone close to him. So I'm going to read you a couple verses this morning. Psalms 55, 1 through 8, David said this to God. He said, listen to my prayer, O God, and do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me and I'm distraught. Because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked, for they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. So you get this sense that David is in agony, right? He's, he's in anguish. He's really feeling what he's feeling. But listen to this. Verse 12 says this. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. So David is actually talking about someone who is close to him. Someone close to him betrayed him. Someone near and dear to his heart broke his trust. And that's really what betrayal is. It's when, when the act of someone violating your trust in them. And trust is a central part of relationships, all relationships. Romantic relationships, family, business, uh, politics, medical practices, all sorts of relationships, trust is needed. And psychologists actually say that trust is an emotional brain state, not the expectation of behavior. It's a state of mind, not so much the expectation of behavior. And it's incredibly powerful in relationship because trust allows us to be vulnerable with people. Trust allows us to give ourselves freely to someone to empower them as we open ourselves up and let down our guard. So we trust business, businesses when we give a deposit for work not yet completed. Right? There's a level of trust there. We, we trust in caregivers when we send our kids to school and to daycare, or we, we trust them with our elderly um, family members into their care because we believe that they're going to use their, God, their given power to support our family in their best interests. We trust in politicians when we vote for them, giving them power to lead how we, how we heard they say they're going to lead. We trust in romantic partners and friendships and family members when we build relationships and we become vulnerable, believing that they're going to keep our best interests at heart. And the more that trust is shown from someone, the more we give, right? When, when you learn to trust someone and they earn your trust and you see that they're trustworthy, you give more trust. You make more deposits into the, the relationship trust bank. And that trust is broken through betrayal, I gave you some definitions of betrayal. Betrayal is disloyalty. It's treachery. It's duplicity, 
falseness, deception. It's Judas's kiss. It's being stabbed in the back, being sold out, being double-crossed, being thrown under the bus. I read this thing this week called the Judas goat. It's used in animal herding, at least it was. And a goat is trained to associate and become familiar with the sheep. It lies down with them, it eats with them, it does life essentially with the other sheep. But then after many months, the season arrives for leading the sheep into the slaughterhouse. And because the goat has gained their trust, the innocent sheep follow the goat into specifically marked pens or the back of trucks or into the slaughterhouse itself. And what happens is the sheep are led to their slaughter, but the goat is spared, usually through a gate or through a sideway. And that's really what betrayal is like. We put our trust in someone, and they turn around and they break that trust. So a child is betrayed when he or she is abused by their parents, their parents who are supposed to love them, protect them, and support them. A spouse is betrayed when their partner has an affair. A betrayal is when someone you trust lies to you, cheats on you, abuses you in any form, hurts you by putting their own interests first. And what betrayal does is it withdraws from that trust bank. So when trust is shown, we deposit. But when betrayal happens, we withdraw. And what can happen over time is we can go bankrupt when there's nothing left. When there's more withdrawals than there are deposits, we have nothing left in the bank. Some researchers say that betrayal is the most devastating loss a person can experience because it's part of violating your vulnerability. I read this quote this week that said, the saddest thing about betrayal is that it never comes from your enemies. Because you, you can't feel betrayed by someone you don't trust, right? Someone you don't trust, they lie, they cheat, they do any of those things, you're like, well, it's okay, I didn't, I didn't trust them to begin with. But a betrayal is from someone close. And being betrayed by someone you trust, someone that's close to you, that, that emotional pain can be more than even physical pain. Now, there's a couple different kinds of betrayal. There's the purposeful act of betrayal. And this is when someone, uh, this occurs when, because of someone's deliberate behavior or their carelessness or because they're, they're considering their own interests. But then there's this other one that I thought was very interesting. Um, psychologists call it the loss of illusion. And this is where we develop in our minds how we think things should be but then reality meets with our thinking and it doesn't match up. So for instance, a woman marries a man thinking that he's a virtuous, moral person. And later she finds out that he had numerous sexual encounters before and prior to their relationship that she didn't know about. But now she's lost her concept of how she thought of her husband. She feels betrayed even though he didn't do anything to betray her trust or break her commitment. But there's this loss of illusion, a sense of betrayal. So the question is, what do we do with betrayal? What do we do with these, these things that we all experience to different degrees of time in our lives? Some of us to greater degrees than others. How do, we, how do we respond to that? Because I think if all of us were honest, our flesh wants revenge, right? And the moment, maybe not physically, but in our minds, and that's not the answer, but that's what we're seeing more and more in our society. If you look at our society, our society, uh, more and more, the marginalized voices have begun to speak up about abuse and oppression, and this has led to very necessary conversations 
and calls of, of accountability to things like police brutality and sexual um, assaults and assault victims. And we see that, we know that. And so these, these um, that are, uh, uh, those that have felt betrayed are speaking up in anger against the injustice and they're lamenting for the ways in which the world is broken. But what our society has done is because of this, because of the pain and because of the, the, the brokenness, because of the suffering, they've pushed us down this road of blaming and retaliating and shaming, which has led to things like cancel culture. A person who, who 20 years ago did something and now they're being canceled because of it. Mob mentality and things like that. And while the culture believes that these tactics will, lead, will bring about a certain desired state of being, a state of life, it's not revealing that. Because of, because of pain, we're retaliating and causing more pain and more hurt. It was Martin Luther King Jr. who said that hate multiplies hate. Retaliation is not the answer. Justice, yes. Absolutely, yes. But not revenge. I was, I was up last night, no, the night before, thinking about the message on Sunday and and I, this came to me. It wasn't even, I didn't have it in my notes, but I felt like the Lord, I said, you need to add this. And it was doing something ungodly because of someone's ungodly behavior is not the way of Christ. It's not the way of an apprentice of Jesus. Succumbing to ungodliness, Christ-like, you know, behavior that's not Christ-like, sinking into your flesh is a sign that you are not resting in Christ. And you're listening more to the deceptive thoughts of our spiritual enemy. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but the principalities and powers of darkness. So there's a force acting behind that betrayal that we're not aware of, we see. There's something beyond the realm that we can see, beyond the physical realm and the unseen realm that is happening. Paul felt it necessary to remind the church in Ephesus that, yes, we think it's against that person, but there's something greater at work here. There are powers of darkness. Our spiritual enemy, the devil, and the forces of hell are at play, deceiving and influencing everyone. So our battle is not against flesh and blood. And when we, when we do ungodly, when we have ungodly reactions, retaliations, revenge, we're listening to those deceptive thoughts and we're not resting in in the spirit of God and in Jesus, close to him. The way of Christ is to do the Christ-like action in spite of how you feel, which is really hard as humans, right? Because our flesh does not want to do this. It's doing the, it's doing the Christ-like action for the sake of kingdom and your Lord. And this is where radical forgiveness comes into play. You know how hard it is to forgive when you've been betrayed? How hard it is when you're hurt and you're angry, and, and you're upset, and you've had that relationship that you've put so many deposits into, and it's just been broken. It's so hard to show this radical forgiveness. It's so hard to forgive the inexcusable. But we're called as the way of Christ, as apprentices of Jesus, to forgive the inexcusable, because the inexcusable has been forgiven in us. And that's where sometimes I just need to take a deep breath and be like, Jesus, I can't do that. I'm not speaking from my heart. I'm like, Lord, I do not want to. I do not want to forgive. And then he reminds me of the things he's forgiven me of and says, I've forgiven you. 
And so this is really hard and I don't believe that I have the power to do it. And so with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And this is where we need to lean into the Holy Spirit to empower us. Otherwise, what do we do? We become like our culture. We conform to the pattern of the world and we look nothing like Christ and we look everything like society. But we're not called to, to do that. So what do we do? I wanna speak more to the emotion, the pain. I wanna press into that a little bit. How do we process these feelings and experiences that we all have at some point? And this is where the Psalm comes in, Psalm of David. Um, it says right at the top there, you'll see the word, we mentioned it last week, a maskil of David. That's a Hebrew word that's best translated insight or instruction. So this is David's instruction to God's people. He's instructing them how to process these things based on what he's experienced because David knew betrayal. If you look throughout David's life, he knew betrayal. He had it as a boy with his family. He's out in the, in the field shepherding the sheep and the prophet came into town, which was a big deal to anoint the next king, came to David's house and his father, Jesse, got all the brothers lined up, but not David. David was left out in the field. They went down one by one by one. Is this this king? Is this the king? Lord's like, that. that's not it. That's not it. And then Samuel's like, is there any more? And his dad's like, well, there's another one on the field. That's a sense of betrayal. David knew it as a, as a soldier in Saul's army as Saul began to trust him, but then turned and betrayed him. David knew betrayal, but what he's writing about here is one of his most trusted counselors and advisors. Someone that's actually dear and close to a man named Ahithophel. As David was getting older in years and his, his reign was coming to that season of end, his son Absalom tried to usurp the, the throne from underneath him. And if that wasn't betrayal enough, your own son, it was this man who was, who was close to him, Ahithophel, who deserted him and followed and supported his son Absalom. One of his closest confidants, one of his most trusted people, so here's my question. Who are the most trusted people in your life? Who are the people that you are most vulnerable with? Who are the people that, that you kind of, you show all of you? Like we walk into church, unfortunately, and we put on a facade, right? We all put on a mask. We put on a behavior. We don't bear it all out. I don't know you that well. And you don't know me that well. And that is wrong, Right? But there are some people in life, when you go home, usually it's a spouse, family, they see all sides of you, every side of us. And we don't want to admit all the sides that they see, but they see all the sides. Or maybe you have friends that you're like that with, that you can just be completely open and honest with. Who are the closest people? These are the people you've chosen to share secrets with, right? Imagine these people betray you. Imagine that person breaks your trust. Maybe you were the child that was neglected and abused by family. Maybe the family you knew and loved has shown you sides that you never seen and there's this loss of illusion. Maybe a spouse has shared something personal with others. They've been careless with your vulnerability. Maybe they've chosen someone over you. Yeah. That's my baby, just in case you didn't know. It's my little girl. She's just saying, go, daddy, go. Go, daddy, go. Maybe somebody that was close to you lied to you. Maybe a coworker threw you under the bus. Maybe a friend lied and manipulated. Maybe what was supposed to be isn't because of someone else's broke their end of the deal. Brené Brown, a researcher and author, she said that the worst kind of betrayal she discovered in her research was, was disengagement. It's of not caring. It's, it's choosing to to not give time and energy into the relationship. And it was the most frequent form of betrayal that she came across in her research and the most devastating to breaking the, the trust relationship. 
And some of us have been there. And even as I share these, you're recalling memories or moments in your past and you still haven't processed it. We're still hanging on to those roots of pain and bitterness and hurt. Some of us are in the middle of it and you're in a whirl of emotions and you're hanging on. And this is where David was in this psalm. And I feel for David. He had a life, just like thing after thing, right, with David. But what does David do with this betrayal that he's feeling? David could do one of two things. He could take this before God and he could talk about it. He could opt in or he could hold it down deep. He could bottle it up. He could bury it inside and he can opt out. When you opt in, you're choosing to process the pain. You're choosing to process the betrayal. And what that does is that releases the pressure in the system. When you opt out, when you bury it down deep, when you hold it in, when you don't get it off your chest, what you do is you let the system build up until eventually the system explodes. Or what happens is something grows down deep inside of you that becomes evil and destructive and it destroys future relationships that erodes your heart and causes you not to be able to trust anybody again. So our defense mechanism is naturally to hold it because we want to protect. But what we do when we do that is we actually break ourselves and we hurt ourselves more. But David chose to opt in. He talked to the Lord about it. The one thing that we can do that would do a lot of good work in healing and strengthening and giving us perspective is sharing it with God. So David does this. He talks to the one person who he could really share everything with, like express it all, like God can handle it. He knew that if he brought it before the Lord, that what he said would first be heard. Have you ever talked to somebody and you just feel like they're not listening? He knew that he would be heard. His thoughts, his emotions, his pain wouldn't be twisted. Ever talk to somebody and they're just like, well, maybe you're looking at it all wrong. You're just like, oh, come on. He knew that, that God's perspective of the people involved wouldn't change. Because sometimes we talk to people and they're like, yeah, man, that person's a jerk. Oh, I'm never gonna talk to them again. You know, unfriend. And you're like, yeah. Or the perspective of you changes. They're like, oh man, I'm not gonna, I didn't know she was like this. He talked to the one person where he could lay it all on the table because God already knows who you are, right? God already knows everything. He knows all the dark corners. He knows all the secrets. He knows all the emotions. He knows who you really are, unfortunately. For us, we're like, shoot, I think I've been hiding from God. I come into church and I put on this part and I look like, you know, I can sing a good song and hold a good tune. I can shake a nice hand. Well, I can't shake right now because COVID. It may be an elbow, maybe a wave. I look good, but God ain't fooled. But David knew I could go to him and I could express it all and I would be heard and God would provide comfort. So listen to things that David said. There's some strong words here. He says, terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Lord, confuse the wicked and confound their ways. He's saying, fight for me. Let death take my enemies by surprise. So he's hurting, right? Let death take my enemies. Imagine praying those kind of prayers. Just kill them, God. When's the last time you prayed that kind of prayer? I don't pray that kind of prayer. But your heart says it sometimes, right? God knows. This is what David's praying. He's opting in to bring it to God. Listen to this. This is what he says. He says in verse 16, as for me, 
This is what I'm gonna do with my anger and my frustration. He says, as for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon. So multiple times. This is not just one prayer that David prays. He's gotta go back because he's still dealing with it. He's still feeling, he's still processing. He's gotta bring it back every part of the day. I gotta go back, I gotta go back because I'm still feeling like this. I call to the God, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. There is no one else on this planet who you can truly bear it out all out like you can with the Lord. Nobody, I don't care how great of a friend you have, how awesome your spouse is, nobody can hear it like the Lord can hear it. The Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Jonah, Job, they teach us that God listens to us, he hears us when we direct those really nasty thoughts and feelings his way. Like this is God we're talking about. And he knows betrayal. Like the Lord knows betrayal. He understands when trust is broken. Jesus was betrayed by one of his 12 disciples, Judas Iscariot. He spent three years with these, these 12 disciples, three years every day, each day, eating together, meal after meal, doing ministry, working. Like they built relationship. They built trust. They were vulnerable. Like Jesus was vulnerable with these guys. Imagine like the crowds they saw teaching Jesus, they saw, you know, miracle working Jesus. But these guys, they saw Jesus when he's like, oh, guys, I need to run to the bathroom. Like, they saw every part of Jesus. And so Jesus on this last night when he had with these disciples, the, the last supper, he's sitting down for this meal and he's eating with them and he's sharing with them and he's teaching them about the Holy Spirit. And he's trying to comfort. He washes all their feet, right? He serves them. He's, he's telling the hold on and hold fast because of what comes. And then he says, somebody's going to break my trust. Somebody's going to turn their back on me. And this is what it says in John 13, 21. It says, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified very truly. I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. He's like, he's troubled in his spirit. Like we forget about the human nature of, of Jesus. Like he's feeling this. And afterwards, he's in the garden. He's praying for, about, for what he's about to endure. And the crowds and the soldiers come with clubs in hand, ultimately, which would lead to his arrest. And who is leading them? It's Judas. This is one of his guys. And you know how he betrays him? He betrays him with a kiss. That was the sign. Jesus said, the one I kiss is the one you're looking for. With a kiss. So Jesus knows the feeling and we can go to him confidently knowing that he knows exactly what we're going through. In fact, Jesus chose betrayal as the vehicle by which he, his love would be displayed. The breaching of trust, the Judas kiss was the avenue by which his love for all of us would be revealed. You know what that tells me? That this hurtful act that we often receive this betrayal that we experience. It has the possibility of bringing about powerful purposes if we bring it to God. That the, and that's worth holding on to when we're processing that pain. That God can use this pain that we're experiencing for powerful purposes. That's really hard to swallow in the moment. But if we go to him, if we opt in, if we rest in him with them, he can do something with it. 
I think about that often when it comes to like exercise. When you push your body to the limits, what happens? It's painful, it's drained, it's hurting. But then it comes back, what, stronger. If, if you provide your body with the right nutrients and rest, right? You, you can't just work out, you know, you know, tear the muscle, hoping that's gonna build back stronger without the right nutrients, right? Foods and rest. Same with the, the betrayal and those things that we feel. If we go to God with them, he could use them. If we don't opt in, we might just find ourselves in a circle of pain and hurt and brokenness and despair and bitterness that grows and grows and grows. And eventually we break down because of it. God can use the betrayal as a means to do something powerful. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up. Joseph in the Old Testament was betrayed by his brothers. Joseph was a, was a boy when his brothers sold him into slavery. He became a slave. He was imprisoned. Uh, his brothers were jealous. So they got rid of him. And Joseph found himself in Egypt. And in the end, God used Joseph's pain and his hurt and the betrayal of his brothers to save millions of lives during a severe famine. And do you know what Joseph did when he was given the opportunity to retaliate to his brothers? When his brothers came before him and he had the opportunity to seek revenge, do you know what he did? He saved their lives too. And it says in Genesis 50 verse 20, I think of this scripture often, Joseph said this to them. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. You intended to harm me. The purpose of what you did was to betray me, was to hurt me, was to harm me, was to get rid of me. But God intended it for good. So God can do something with your pain and your brokenness if you opt in and bring it to him. So David is showing us something here. He's saying, I'm feeling betrayed, it's painful, but I'm choosing to bring it to God and I'm choosing to talk about it and share my pain with the Most High. And here's his lesson, Psalms 55, verse 22 and 23 Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And that is a promise that we can hold on to. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. That's what David is saying as he's experiencing the betrayal he's experienced. I feel like he wrote that part kind of, you know, near the end of it all. Right, as he came out, he's like, listen, this is what I, this is what I felt. This is what I did. As for me, I, I cry out in distress to the Lord. And this was the result. Here's the lesson I learned. Cast your cares on the Lord. Throw them to God. Give them to God. And he will sustain you. Sustain means whole job. It doesn't mean like, you know, shower you with gifts. <laughs> parties. He'll hold you. He'll keep you going. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And then this verse 23, we often don't quote this one, but I thought it was good. But you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days. In other words, he will repay the evil. He repays the evil. He gets revenge. Exodus 14, verse 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be silent. So why are you fighting the fight? Why are you trying to seek revenge? Why are you trying to get them back, to make them feel what you feel? And I know that's what we all want to do. Like the Lord will fight for you. And then so the other end of that verse says, you only need to be silent. 
So I wanna take a moment, the worship team's gonna lead us, and I want us to pray. I want us just to, they're gonna sing a song, but I want us to pray. I want us to spend a moment with God. But just before we do, I wanna make this practical and systematic. Four things. How do we, what do we do with betrayal? Number one is we put our focus on Christ and we talk to him about it. Put our focus on Christ and we talk to him about it. We opt in. And opting in releases the pressure from the valve. When we opt out, when we bury it, um, that only builds up, but we opt in, we talk about it. Number two is talk to sound counsel. Opt in to talk to sound counsel. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. Now, when I say that, let me preface this by saying, talk to someone that's gonna be unbiased about the situation because sometimes we talk to people that are going to validate how we, you want someone to validate what you're feeling, but they're going to do it in a way that's just going to fuel your anger and your hurt. Like sometimes our, our best buddies, we're like, we go and we're like, ah, I can't believe what my wife did. She did this. And they're like, man, she's like, Bleh. and you're like, yeah, she is. <laughs> Whatever. And what that does is it just fuels your hurt and your anger. You know what I'm talking about? Because they're agreeing with you. They're like, ah, that's terrible. And you're like, yeah, it's terrible. And then you're more angry than you were to begin with. And I get that. They're nice. They're your buddies. But maybe talk to someone that's going to validate how you feel, but is going to provide some sound advice or sound support. Number three is understand that God fights for you. There's a scripture that says it is mine to avenge. Like almost like I take that verse when God says it, that when we try to seek revenge, we're taking away something he wants for himself. He's like, whoa, 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 hold up. That's mine. That's, that's mine. That's my job. I do a pretty good job at it too. Let me do that part. It's mine to avenge. He will fight for you. And he fights in the unseen realm. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but the powers and principalities of darkness, right? So he fights for us in there. We don't think about that. We're praying against the person for the person, but what about what's happening behind that? He fights for you there. And number four, and this is often the hardest one, is follow the example of Christ, who even though he was betrayed, chose forgiveness. And this is significantly easier when we're opting in and talking to God about it. It is hard to forgive when we're not resting in the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's easier to forgive when we're resting in the power of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness doesn't excuse the behavior, but it prevents it from destroying your heart. Forgiveness, I, I often remind myself of this. It's not about letting them off the hook. It's about letting me off the hook, letting that pain and that hurt that's inside of me go, saying it's okay. Not excusing the behavior, preventing it from destroying my heart. And here's what happens when we do these things, when we opt in and we talk about it and we, we understand that God fights for us and we choose to forgive, is we heal, we grow, we become stronger, and God can use it for great purposes, like possibly helping heal and comfort somebody else. I don't know how many times I found myself in conversations with someone who's going through something and I'm like, I know what this is like because I've been there. And the comfort I was comforted with, I can now comfort others with. And I'm not able to do that as ministry and we're not able to comfort others. We're not able to be used by God in that manner unless we allow him to do that work in us. Here's what I want us to do. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. The team's gonna just quietly lead us in some song. 
And I don't wanna rush this moment. I don't wanna, I don't wanna just pray us out, but I want us just to take a moment in the presence of the Holy Spirit with God and let's just bring some stuff to him. Maybe you're here and you have, you have some pain and you have some hurt. You have some bitterness, some anger, and you just need to start the conversation with God. Maybe there's, and I think there are, there's many of us that we've buried some stuff down so deep that we don't even remember what's down there, but we just need to crack open the surface. Say, okay, God, reveal to me some things that I've been burying, I've been holding, some pain from betrayal. Somebody's hurt me in my past or somebody's hurt me in my present. Help me to see what those things are so I can process those things. Team's just gonna lead us. Let's do that just for a few moments. Just bring it before God. Let's do this now. Let's just pray. Let's bring it before him. That bitterness, that pain. Let's opt in. We're opting in right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. I just need to tell some people this, probably specifically some guys in the room or guys listening because stereotypically, I know this is stereotypical, but we're the worst at this, is when, you, when you're talking to God, you need to actually talk to him. Because we sometimes think, I think this is an error, personally, this is my opinion, that when we're talking with God, we just, we think our prayers. And that's okay in some 
sense. But when we're, when we're trying to bring it before God, if we're not actually vocalizing those things, sometimes they kind of just ruminate and around in our brain. And then what happens is we're not actually processing it with God. We're not getting it off. We're just thinking about the thing. And that just becomes worry or frustration or whatever. But we need to vocalize these things. Like That's what David talks about when he says, I, I cry out to God. I, I cry out in distress. Like Use your lips. Make sound come out your mouth and say, God, I'm dealing with this. This is for everybody. Hey, you know, it's harder in this space because maybe we don't want people listening in or, you know, it just becomes a rumble of noise. But that's the practice that you need to do when we're talking about opting in. When we're talking about talking, we're talking about talking, not thinking. God knows our thoughts. He knows your heart. Like we can, we can get philosophical and say, well, God already knows everything. Why do we need to bring to him? Absolutely. Right? He already knows it. But, but as humans on our side, our nature is that when we talk it out loud, that actually helps us process the pain. And, and if you can do that with the Lord out loud, and that could be journaling too. You know, some of us, maybe we're better at writing things out. It's, it gets us off. You can, if you can do that with sound counsel, you can choose to be vulnerable and you, you bear it all out. Like that just, it's like taking that bottle that's been shaken and you're just, you're just releasing the pressure a little bit at a time. You know? You're just releasing the pressure. Like we, we need to do this better. And my fear always is as a pastor, as I come up and I'm, I prepare these messages and it's nice, but then it just, we're all like, woo. And <laughs> if you're online and didn't hear that, it's whatever. But then what happens is, is we just leave and it falls on deaf ears, but we don't actually put it into practice and then no discipleship happens. That's, that's why I love life groups and I desire life groups is because when you're actually doing life and relationship and talking with people, you actually disciple I can't sharpen a knife by walking into a blacksmith. He's got to push it against the grinder, right? And so me just talking to you about these things isn't going to do anything unless we actually go out there and we practice them. That's why it's so important. I know this isn't flashy and nice, but I need to pastor you for this second. Talk to God about it. Go to him. Make room. Make time. And if you don't have enough time for God, then your priorities are whacked out and wrong and backwards. And, and I know a lot of us say, well, you don't know my schedule. Yeah, I don't. But you know what I know? I know a lot of us waste a lot more time than we realize. You know, it's something I learned as a, as a father. I remember when I was a young adult and I had no kids and me and Jody talked about this all the time and we were married and we had no little ones running around and people would ask us to do something. We we're like, oh, I can't, we're busy. Got no time. And we laugh at that time now. Then we had our first child. And all of a sudden your, your time's being taken up and you're like, shoot, how did I, you just make, you make time because there's a life form that you're responsible for, right? This thing will die if I don't take care of it. And then you add another one and you're like, how, how am I gonna have time for two? Then you have capacity. There's room because you push out what doesn't matter and you, you add what does. And that's the same with, with the Lord and the presence of God is you need to push out what doesn't matter. Or you need to redeem time. Like your drive is a perfect opportunity. If you commute, it's a perfect opportunity. Turn off the radio. 
Don't, don't make another phone call. Talk with God. Before you turn on Netflix, the TV, and you zone out for hours because you need it, because you've had an exhausting day, spend 10 minutes. Jeez, 10 minutes with God? How dare you? Right? I don't want to sound harsh, but just make time and you will feel relieved. I, I promise you. I promise you. If you make time for God in your schedule and prayer and reading the scripture and talking to him about the things that you're going through, you will feel relieved. You will feel comforted. You will feel delivered. That is a promise. That is an absolute promise. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you're there. It doesn't mean the problem's wiped away. It doesn't mean the betrayal is wiped away. It doesn't mean the justice has been served. It just means you feel the pressure has been taken off. And that's what David's talking about. Cast my cares on the Lord and he what? He sustains me. He never lets me be shaken. That's what we're talking about. Casting in the right direction. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray one last time. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for worship and time to praise you. Thank you for your word and time to hear from David this morning. Just, I pray, God, that we would be the kind of church people doesn't just come for a nice message, but actually applies these truths that we see in scripture, God. And we would learn what it means to carve out time and make time, God, especially in the times when we're hurting and we're broken and we're feeling betrayal, that we can turn to you and we can lay it all out on the table. We can express everything with you. Lord, I pray that these people, everyone within the sound of my voice would opt in, would not bury their pain and their hurt and, and their emotion and their feeling and their anger, would opt in and talk to you about it. Bring some sound counsel and recognize, Lord, that you fight for us. And give us the strength to forgive. Holy Spirit, we need your power for that. Help us to see the sin that you've forgiven us of so that in turn we can, sin, we can forgive the sin of others. Lord, we bless you. This is for your glory. It's for your kingdom, for discipleship. And so we pray, Father God, you'd help us and be with us. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. You can clap, yeah. That's praising God. It's not for me, it's for God. Wednesday is when registration opens up. If you're online, thank you for tuning in. You guys have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.